You're listening to episode 112 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I've invited my husband, Bruce McFadden, on the show. Yes, he and I are going to talk about goals, roles, and superpowers. Yeah, so so one thing I do, I, I have really acknowledged about myself, um, and you know, we all like to think that we're anything that we're not good at, you know, we can fix and and. And so I've just really embraced this whole idea of obviously focus on my strengths and then also identify those compensating controls where areas where you you need to do something better that has not come naturally to you. So how do you address some of those things? Things that have to be done. Things that have to be done. Yeah. And, um, but... Um, but there's just not, it's not natural. Yeah. You, you just, you have to put in perhaps some non-standard processes. Oh that, my gosh. You are so multi-syllabic. Non-standard. What is proce- multi-syllabic? More than one syllable. Well, non-standard that's, processes. That's really amazing. Well, now you have to listen to the rest of the show to find out what compensating controls and non-standard processes are. But more than that, you're going to hear Bruce and I talk about strength finders something that we've been uh, thinking a lot about in the last year, and also recognizing that we haven't done a great job teaching our boys responsibility around the home or giving them like clear guidelines of what their jobs are. So we spend some time on our newest Sunday ritual, goals and roles. And lastly, we focus in on superpowers, because if your family is going to function well and to give God glory, you need to identify what is each person gifted and so know thyself and know thy audience are the themes of today. Hey, Bruce. Welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hello, Heather. Thank you for having me <laughs> for my second time. Third, I think. Third? I think you're world famous on the God Center Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. But... I'm, the, I'm the Alec Baldwin of <laughs> God Center Mom. <laughs> Alec Baldwin. Oh, my gosh, y'all. We uh, have put all the kids to bed. We have even locked the cat up. Because for some reason we have like he's noisy. He likes to talk. Heather's a speech pathologist by trade, and so she somehow has managed to make all the animals we had to actually talk. So oh yeah, mm-hmm. so full sentences. Mm-hmm. He had a lot to say tonight, and then like the refrigerator just made a noise. So it's real life over here at the Mac House. I'm in my board again. Yeah. So we, I, I'm the reason I wanted to have you on, Bruce. I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Uh, <laughs> we probably have some new newer listeners who maybe haven't heard your previous episodes. I need to go back. I should look up what ones you were on. We talked about uh, your parents and traveling. That's right. Missions. That's Mission right. trips. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about all your working when you worked all the time, mm-hmm. which you don't do. Well, you, you work all the time, but you don't. You sleep was... and you read books. I think that's interesting. Tell people what you're reading. What are you reading now that you have time to read? Well, um, Okay, I, but this, this is a short show. Like, you don't have hours. All right. Okay. okay, so the short story is I love history. I love context. And so I'm reading all the presidential biographies sequentially. Sequentially. And so I'm on Teddy Roosevelt. But you take sidekicks. Like, you sometimes... Well, I'll hit certain themes where I realize I need to go deeper in something. You'll hit certain themes. Like, I... One, <laughs> I don't know if you all know this, but by speech pathologist, I like science... I like um, Jesus. I read those kind of, like, I don't, nothing about history that appeals to me. 
right? Yeah, we can join different conversations. Yeah, and I grew up in a political home. Bruce grew up in a medical home, so science was like at the dinner table, surgeries and stuff. Right, we talk about colons and such at the dinner tables, if that was normal things. Yeah, and I grew up having political debates at the dinner table because my dad was always running for politics. So this time of year, any time of year that there's political campaigns and elections, I'm like, ah, and Bruce has got it on TV. And You don't really watch it that much, but no. you're curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. So then reading the presidential, bi- we're going to take a little side sidetrack, help the moms. Um, when you're reading all these presidential biographies, what themes have you seen? Like what has made great presidents, you know, leading up to Teddy, what number is he? Teddy Roosevelt. I don't uh, know. He is 26. So 26. Okay. We'll yeah. just say, we'll yeah. just say 26 or 27. I can't and how many are there? I don't even know. Uh, 44. So you're like halfway at least. So you've done half the presidents and what themes have you found? Like what makes a great president halfway through our history? A couple things stick out. One is, the great presidents are, they know what needs to be done. They usually have a couple really strong themes. That's like the third word of time we've used that word, themes. Themes, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm yeah, I'm a top-down thinker, so I like to think in themes. Okay. Um, and they put their shoulder down and they execute. So, for instance, uh, George Washington, um, you know, George Washington was not a micromanager at all. He had a lot of very strong people underneath him, like, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, a number of very well-known people from the Revolutionary War. But he had these key themes of what he wanted to build from a country perspective. Um, Abraham Lincoln, same thing. He had made it really realize that uh, we had to get rid of slavery. And um, the presidents before him uh, all kind of fought against that and tried to preserve a union that um, really um, wasn't sustainable. And they made those things happen. Teddy Roosevelt, I describe him as one word, which is force. He decided he wanted to create the Panama Canal. He, he put his shoulder down and and did that. Um, I think you do have a love of themes. I do have a love of themes. So, y'all, um, for Bruce's work, his past CEO was really into strength finders. And- Correct. Correct. And so everybody in the company took the test. If you're not familiar, uh, it's a test you take. You get 34. There's 34 strengths. It ranks you. uh, If you pay a certain amount, you get the top five. If you pay another higher amount, you get all 34 in order. And then they have like what? How many top 10 on everybody's? uh, Well, so let me let me take a step back. So so we um, about 10, 15 years ago, I worked for a company where we did a personality assessment for the first time. I don't remember what we did, but the we had an industrial psychologist that kind of came in and um, did an amazing job, pulled out some really, really interesting insights that completely fundamentally changed the way that I operated. And even more so, even more importantly, the way I communicated. Um, and it wasn't a function of communication being even necessarily good or bad per se. It was that certain people need to uh, consume information differently. So um, when I joined this company about five years ago, I, I decided I was going to use Myers-Briggs. And you know, Myers-Briggs is interesting. I think a lot of people are familiar with the NFP or INTJ. But nobody remembers what their letters are. One. Yeah. Am and, I a, what's an E? What, I mean, E and I people remember, but like, what's E? And, uh, it doesn't even make sense, the words they use. Like, well, it, it, what, what, it, what it became was something that you looked at once and thought, oh, that was interesting. That makes sense. 
it was never reinforced. And so it just became an interesting data point. And a couple of years ago, uh, we had um, somebody join our company who introduced us to StrengthsFinder, which is Gallup. Um, and the focus of StrengthsFinder is really simple. It is understand what your strengths are and play to those. So for instance, ways, areas that I'm not wired to do, like let me pick a really basic one, patience. Somebody who is impatient. <laughs> is that a strength though? Well, it's not, but let's okay. use it as a concept. All right. All right. Uh, not kind of an obvious one. Somebody who is um, patient is probably generally pretty patient and can't stop themselves from being generally pretty patient. Doesn't or mean positivity. that they're always. Or positivity, right. So okay, positivity is one of, is one of them. It's one of my top five. I am definitely, I'm always going to spend things in a positive light. It doesn't mean I never, never have negative moments, but no matter what I try to do, that is so hard grained inside of me. So, and it's hard for you to imagine when I'm not positive. Right. Like, why don't you just see the finer side of life? Like glass half full. Right, exactly. And so if you think about like what makes you great and what are areas where you can, you persistently struggle Concept behind Strength Finder is identify those in areas where you're strong and play to those. And what would happen if a majority of your energy and time was spent leveraging those strengths rather than trying to constantly fix areas that will never be natural, never be strengths, and instead putting that energy elsewhere? So, for example, and we did the whole 34 because your company had, and that was important to you. My bottom is focus, which you can already tell in this interview. I'm like all over the place, but it, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not real like strategic. So I have always struggled in that and wanted to be more so and have wasted energy trying to think that I could be instead of recognizing that's just not who I am. Right. And so it doesn't mean like we all, there's always parts of our lives that we still have to do. We still have to go get our oil changes done in our car. We still have to. <laughs> I did. Discipline. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we still have to discipline your children. You know, there's still things. I that still we, have to do the dishes. You still I have to do the dishes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's not saying that you can just cross out all the things you don't really like to do. However, to use your example, you, Heather is high adaptability, which is great. And that allows her to, um, uh, move from one thing to another very fluidly. She can adjust direction and that's positive. And all of these strengths have positive manifestations and negative manifestations, or according to Orthodox strengths finder, they call that balconies and basements, but so like the, a good part to it, where a good like, part or yeah. bad part, like something could be a, uh, a, a strength, a talent, but you might not really have developed it well in some that you have developed well. But as an example, one we've talked about before um, was you're not a list person. And so an area of stress in our relationship related to the way you're wired is you go to the grocery store. There's no consistent way for you to keep track of what you need to get the grocery store, nor me to provide that. And I always felt bad when I said, hey, we need. Or, or, or this is how I go. I don't have a list, but I'm headed out to the grocery store. I'm like, does anybody need anything? And I'm like, I mean, I, I only know things we need in the kitchen when I see we don't need it. And then, like he, and then so then I come home and it'll be like 30 minutes after I've already unloaded all the groceries. And you're like, oh, yeah, next time you go to the grocery store, which will be an entire week, will you get X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, I'm not going to remember one. Two, I just went. Well, so here's the key to that is. So we, the key to that was to pay we, a well, robot. No, well, we can't change it about you, nor should 
should we realize that, you know, we should hardwire something different, but it doesn't mean you can't create compensating controls. So compensate, you're a big word person. Oh, well. Multisyllabic. You can like win. So, so what I bought Heather for, for birthday I know what a year ago, was. it was, it was, it was birthday of, a year ago. So. It was an Amazon Echo. And an Amazon Echo Alexa. W- right. Alexa. And so in our kitchen, and we got to be careful actually saying her name because she'll start talking to us. But um, once, if I say her name, which I will not say again, <laughs> so shall she not be respond, named. <laughs> um, then I can say, add chocolate chips to the shopping list. And she will say, chocolate chips, add to your shopping list. And it provides an app that Heather has on her phone. So over the course of the week, myself, the boys, um, Heather, whenever we're in the kitchen, we can always continually add to the shopping list. And Heather goes to the grocery store. There's a shopping list. So here we go. Heather didn't have to change who she was. We were able to create a compensating control as a way to address a very basic need in the family. So it works the same way with your wiring, right? Um, so I'll give you, um, I'll give you an example. So the example I mentioned from um, a while back that really kind of really changed my perspective on really how you incorporate these, not just in the workplace, but in your home and, and even among your relationships is I worked for, I was an investment company and I worked for uh, a guy who was very smart, but he was a very bottoms up thinker, meaning that bottoms up thinkers tend to solve, um, they start with the details. They start with the details. They yeah. solve at the ground level and they, they want to get into the details very quickly. And I am very, I'm very much of a top down thinker. And in strength finders term, they call that strategic. And that's number two for me. And it just means that when I consume information and when I communicate information, I go to themes like I did in the beginning of this podcast. Like I just naturally will think from the big picture. I want to understand the big picture and then I will go into the details. Whereas a bottoms up person will start in the details. Well, and you were, oh, go ahead. Well, and so what was happening was um, my um, my boss was actually bottoms up and I was top down. And what the industrial psychologist pointed out was because we had a communication gap. Like I was communicating to him. We know we had a communication gap, but just when we got together, there it just it just didn't work. And he said, Bruce, you know, he trusts you, he, your analysis and everything that you do. Yet when you guys communicate, you're just talking different languages he said, what you need to do is do what you do because that's valued and, and it's important here. However, when you communicate with him, you need to package the information in a way that he needs to consume it. So I like to des- describe this in two themes, <laughs> of course. First is know thyself. You have to know who you are. And the second is know thy audience. So know thy audience in that scenario is, so I first have to understand, okay, I'm a top-down thinker. I'm likely to process information, which is to me to lead to that outcome. Then when I go to communicate to, in that case, this is a previous job, my boss, I need to make sure that I understand how the audience, how my boss processes information needs to hear it in order to get to the outcome that we both want, but we're coming at it from very different places. And, and so I have to package information in the way that, that he needs to consume it. And it's not just a job thing. Like that's how it is with kids. That's well, how it like, is let's with Let's think at home. Okay. So we found out your, one of your top five is maximizer. Correct. Which that strength is that you are all, you are always working to make it better. It could always be better. I'm always iterating. Iterating is another multisyllabic word. I think you should write a dictionary. This is what I'm thinking. Iterating. Whatever. I think that you're like, you're like, so the dishwasher. Um, I 
I've, I've heard marriages have ended because of dishwashers. So I'm sure everyone's like, oh, the dishwasher. And you so each I have would, your own story. I would ban Heather from the dishwasher, actually. No, listen. Okay. So I've even said, would you rather I don't load the dishwasher? This is, I've, I've offered mm-hmm. that to yeah. you because, and you're all like, I wish my husband would load the dishwasher. I'm very blessed that Bruce loves to load the dishwasher. Here's the story, Morning Glory. He wants it to be like maximized. That word was so helpful to me because it wasn't like he was saying I'm doing it wrong. It's that he could fit one more dish in if it was this way. So he would take it out to get one more dish in. And I'd be like, we're going to run the dishwasher again tomorrow. (laughs) That dish will get washed tomorrow. So same with the the laundry. I remember I would say, okay, I would start doing a load and Bruce would like run like a frantic, crazy madman, like all around the house, gathering everything we own to wash it. And I'm like, I'll do laundry again. It's It's not like this is the last time. The other stress point with maximizer was, um, leaving the house. Uh, you, there was always more you could get done, but mm-hmm. I'm like, but we're going to be late. Yeah. But you were maximizing your time that you could make the house be totally ready. So, so, so getting back to knowing myself, I recognize that there are a lot of strengths that come out of that. And I also had to become very cognizant of, you know, your strength is your greatest weakness, that cliche. It's true. Right. So, so I had to realize like 95%, you need to say stop. Right. And so, it, so once I actually had this as a, as a, as a language to, to, to define this, it, it became something that um, at that time, um, one of my colleagues said, Bruce, I see that in you because you will, you pursue greatness. Like when I want to do something, I'm either all in or I'm completely disengaged. I do not have a middle gear. I do not ask Bruce to do a podcast if I don't think he's all in. <laughs> right. I don't have a middle gear. So it's like if Heather says, hey, we need to clean this. Like, hey, can we take care of the... If we're going to clean the closet. Clean the closet. Room. I'm like, okay, I want to empty everything out of the closet. Take every single thing out. Every single thing out. Because I'm like, I want to know what needs to be in there, not just reshuffling the chairs. On, yeah, on you don't want to just move stuff around. Yeah. I don't want to move things around. I want to actually... If I'm going to do it, I'm going to really do it. And so, but the point was that that was called out, said... Now there's a term, and people will call me out on this at work. They will say, Bruce, stop maximizing. It just means, Bruce, it actually is done, and you just don't realize it. And, you and it's to time like to content. put attention elsewhere. And, I, and I've had to learn that I just have to let that go. And it's become, in many ways, a safe word. So all of this goes to yeah, like yeah. marriage as well. Like th- There might be certain things that certain themes that each of us have in our life that are really great, but but when they go they can go to extremes where they become not as constructive. And so what it's important to do is a know thyself, know who you are, know your audience, know your spouse in this case, or your children, um, obviously, and then find out. So if you know that about each other, find safe ways to communicate that. So it just helped me because I was taking it as a personal, uh, Heather, you are bad at loading the dishwasher. Or Heather... You're bad at keeping track of what we need at the grocery store. You are bad at this. (laughs) Instead of saying, oh, he's just maximizing right now. Oh, I'm good. Like, I don't care. He can waste his time making this better all he wants. uh, As long as it doesn't impact me. He's not not making a personal statement about my worth right now. And I think when it becomes... It takes... I think Strength Finders is good. One, that it's positive. Everyone's talking about their strengths. Everyone loves to talk about themselves. Everyone loves to know thyself. And two, it's neutral language to talk about weaknesses. Yeah. 
So and, I, I find and it's, frustrations. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually you, uh, you give the deliberative example. Deliberative. Yeah. Okay. So we found out we both have deliberative in our bottom five. Deliberative is, is related to decision-making and uh, that's not good. Well, deliberative I, is like taking time. So someone who's deliberative is going to look at the decision they're making and and be evaluating and evaluating and evaluating and evaluating. It's like a lot of care. If they're going to buy a new car, I think every car we've ever bought, we've bought the day of, and we haven't researched a single thing. Our, I mean, our house, we probably saw 10 houses, baby. But we don't like... We make quick decisions. We didn't think about, oh, well, let's buy a house that's in a good school district. We didn't even look at the school district. Like, most people do that stuff. Really? Totally. <laughs> Like, I was talking to a friend, she's building a house, and she and her husband just walk through, like, construction sites. Yeah, so Heather, Heather and I both make quick decisions. And so, but I didn't realize, actually, we didn't realize, we didn't have a, a word for this. And it was a stress point, not for me, but for Heather, that when decisions needed to be made, um, she felt like neither of us were. Like, everybody else has, like, five-year plans, disciplined strategies for their kids, and, like. Everything's like really thought out. It feels like for everyone deliberative, else in the world. very thoughtful, and we're just like flying by the seat of our pants. Every we fly day. by the seat of our pants. So I was stressed because I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna think through that." So you've got to, Bruce. You've got to compensate for my weakness uh, in that area. And so I put the stress on him on a weekend. Like, don't you have a plan? Don't you have a discipline strategy for our kids? And and if he didn't, I was like, "We're failing. We're just total loss." And not realizing that's just who we are. Yeah, so so once Heather, she really we, pulled that out. But then you, like, stepped up. I was gone one weekend. Well, yeah. So so one thing I do, I, I have really acknowledged about myself. Um, and, you know, we all like to think that we're – anything that we're not good at, you know, we can fix. And, and, and so I just really embrace this whole idea of, obviously, focus on my strengths and then also identify those compensating controls where – Areas where you you need to do something better that has not come naturally to you. So how do you address some of those things? Things that have to be done. Things that have to be done. Yeah. And um, but um, but there's just not. It's not natural. Yeah. You you just you have to put in perhaps some non-standard processes. Oh that, my gosh, you are so multisyllabic. Non-standard. What is process- multisyllabic? More than one syllable. Well, non-standard that's, processes. That's really amazing. Well, so something right. outside of your normal function, outside Correct. of your normal routine to compensate for weaknesses. Yes. So so our kid, it like we had no chore charts at our house. Right. It, and so, it's, so that's a good point because like we can get mad about our kids and say, you're, get not, mad doing the kids say, you're not doing enough. But, you know, you really take a step back. Are we have we ever really been specific what we even expect of our kids? And so it'd be like your boss saying, hey, why didn't you do this or this? And you're like, I actually didn't know that that's something I, I was supposed to do. Nobody's ever talked to me. It's not ever been a part of my job. You feed me and pay me money and I just hang out here and you fold my clothes and you wash my dishes. And So it was interesting. There was a weekend. Heather was actually out of town. and A craft retreat. It was a craft important. retreat. And um, the week before, I had actually been um, – I had actually traveled out of town and gone to – a school, um, a, a university, and did a product management training course. And it was interesting because um, I'm not sure that what I'm about to tell you is the number one takeaway they wanted me to come out of it with it. But what for me, what really impacted was it all starts 
for anything that you're doing, in this case, like building, designing a product, um, it all starts with two things, goals and roles. So you have to understand what you're trying to solve for. What is the goal? What what is what does great look like for that product? And then secondarily, once you identify what that is, you have to determine who has clear ownership, who's clear roles, um, uh, role, how, how are roles identified and, and clearly communicated so that everybody knows how they best deliver that product. And I thought about that as I was coming back um, and I thought that's kind of what's missing. I mean, not just from a work perspective, but from a home perspective is you know, we'll wake up Saturday morning and have no idea unless something's scheduled. We have no <laughs> idea what we're doing. We haven't thought about it. I mean, I often It'll come home. It'll be like home, 10 a.m. We're still like, what are we doing out? today? Yeah. And then, and then we'll, by the end of the day, we'll have done a lot of stuff that we hadn't even thought of at, by 10 a.m. in the morning. And oftentimes, if we do come up with a plan within 30 minutes, it's a completely different plan. Which frustrates some of our children. Yeah, right, right. Because some of our children go with the flow. Some, they, they, they don't. They like structure and they like routine. Yeah. One in particular really likes routine. And, and, and it creates a real big stress point for so him. Because, yeah, because he functions best. His strength is he functions well in a, in a, in a routine and a structure. So. so that Saturday morning, I'd gotten up and, and Heather was out of town. And I had all four boys and we had to rush off to like a... Something. 8 a.m. basketball game. Oh, good times. And um, so we went to the basketball game and then we're done with it. And it was 9 a.m. And I, we're all in the car and it was really cold. And so we couldn't really go to the park. And I was like, what are we going to do today? And so finally I was like, um, we got literally, it's 9 a.m. I got nothing <laughs> on the docket. So I sat in the car, hadn't even turned the car on. And I just started talking to the boys. I'm like, all right, so what do you guys want to do? And we came up with a plan for the day. And we kind of left some white space in there. So if we had to, um, you know, move some things around, we could. And we executed upon it. And what was really interesting is one of the lowest stress days that um, I can remember, especially being just me alone with them, but just in general being with them. That was just planning a day. And then as I kind of ruminated over after I got the kids to bed that night, I I thought, man, how, what if we actually did this more and what would that look like? So Heather wasn't coming back until Sunday, late Sunday evening. And that sun, uh, Sunday afternoon, I had the boys and we're kind of around here in the afternoon chilling out. And I had this idea. I said, Hey guys, come here. And I brought up on my iPhone, I brought up Evernote. Um, it's a great app. Great app. There's a great way to organize free version. I've still, I don't even know what you need for the paid version because the free version is great. If, yeah. You can create notes, but then you can put them into notebooks. Digitally. I haven't, even done, I haven't even done that. And you can do it on your computer and it talks to your phone so you can have access. Yeah, so I have it on my laptop. I have it at my on my iPhone yes. and it syncs automatically and I yep. can keep notes on things. So I literally brought Evernote up and I projected it to our television and I said, all right, everybody, we're going to do goals and roles. And I said, for each of us, and I said, I started with myself. I said, I want to know what your goals are for the first quarter. Now, I'd explain to them what the first quarter meant. Now, we have four boys ages 10 down to four. So start talking about quarterly goals is definitely, a, a, you know, there was... That was a goal in itself. That was a goal in itself. But, you know, they picked it up quick. I mean, kids can learn stuff pretty quick. And I yeah. we, we talk about what a quarter is and they got to it. And they're, they're pretty much, they're telling me what the quarters are for the year. It's like for the first quarter, I want to have for each of us three goals. And then I want us also to have goals that we want to accomplish for the full year. And then... Um, and then I said, and then I want to also really get black and white on water rolls. As we talked about earlier, we get really frustrated. The kids aren't helping on this and this and this. Well, 
if we give them random assignments and all we do is... And we keep changing who's in charge of what. Yeah. We say, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'll tell you what. I have twice in my life worked for micromanagers and two of the most miserable periods of my life. Yeah. Um, when somebody tells me exactly how to get how to get things done and um, they're order me around, I do not perform really well. That and well, way. it doesn't turn on your brain to problem solve either. Right, right. You're just I, responding. I need to You're know like what's robot. the big goal that we need to accomplish and give me give a lot of freedom to do that. And that's how I operate best. And once again, that's not everybody. So you have, this is kind of gets back to once again, knowing thyself and knowing the audience. And so, and our kids are a mix and match of those as well. And so, so the said, roles, like the, a role would be like what? So um, a role would be responsible for a room. So each of our boys is given a room, actually a room downstairs. And one of my guests suggested this. Her name was Lisa Apollo. She said that's what she did. Like each kid got a section of the house. I thought that was really smart. It's really great. So they have some level they have of ownership. ownership. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, you know, they yeah. respect the other people's areas. And- yeah. One owns kind of a dining room slash game room. One owns a Lego room, a living room, <laughs> a kitchen. Room. We do have a, we have a Lego room. It's supposed to be a yeah, formal Yeah. It's supposed to be a formal room. living room. That's just the Lego room. But the point of it is that they had, they each had a room. They had some additional responsibilities. One took responsibility for the cat. I mean, up until this point, I just take care of the cat. You did all the cat stuff. All the cat stuff. Cause and it's, it's not really, a big deal. He's your cat, really. Let's just call a spade a spade. Like, yeah, we, 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 You're a we cat get along. Guy. We get along. He's your he's, best he's friend. I, look, I'm a, I'm a man that is not afraid to admit that <laughs> I like cats. <laughs> look, the cat doesn't need me. I don't ever have to be home. Are you kidding? He doesn't need you. He was just down here crying and talking and he wants you to always like turn on the shower for water. He needs you. He needs like about 120 seconds. And a you, day love, you love it. And it's a great you 120 love seconds. It. And that's you love it. it. But the so, point. So, you, so no one was helping you with the cat. No one yeah, was helping with, with trash, dishes, trash, dishes, laundry. I mean, how much? Yes, look, so we're folding the help. kids laundry. Like what so if we actually. Hours of my life of reading. Had them take a level of ownership in that. And so. Which I'm sure some of you are listening are like, duh, Heather, Bruce, but that's just not how we think. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some, I'll give you some specific examples. I'm, I'm literally right now bringing up my iPhone Evernote on it and I'm going to. Okay. But here's you. the deal. You, I come home and you're like, I need your three rolls. I was like, I don't think like that. Well, so. And I was really stressed. It took me how long did it take It actually me? took us longer, longer to get Heather I know. to do it than anybody. In fact, I just sit and down I've, and walk I've him and suggest Because all the goals I had then, I'm totally failing at now. Like eat vegetables. I did that in January. I don't do that anymore. So we, we originally had a, so I'm going to kind of tie, give examples for goals and rules. But like, for example, one of our children is taking piano lessons. And so his original three goals were know where all the piano notes are on the piano. That was his goal for the first quarter. His goal for the whole, the end of the year was to be able to play two handed piano songs from sheet music. And we gave an example like Don't Stop Believing, which of is course. a family favorite it's in this house favorite. from Journey. Um, so that was an example how we had a quarterly goal and then we had an annual goal on it. And then we also, in the first quarter, have a reading rally for them. So we said 3,500 reading minutes for the reading rally. And then he also said, hey, I, and they started getting into this. Yeah. And they started saying, hey, I want to, um, I, and they started giving me ones. One said, I want to be able to consistently hit a, a, a 40 mile an hour pitch out of the infield. Awesome. So we started going through that and creating that. And then on rolls, it was as Heather said. And, and we got very clear with that. And, I'll tell you the biggest um, surprise has been how much the boys have really gotten into it. They will ask, even our four-year-old will ask goals and roles. When do we do goals and roles? We do, we do it every, but, but every let, Sunday. But tell them why. There's also a reward. So that weekend we went we out. We bribe them. 
a bribe. It's a small bribe, but it's a bribe that really works. That that same Saturday, coincidentally, and once again, this is this was not all planned. Um, <laughs> one of the activities we decided we were going to do. The, my two little boys have gotten into baseball and baseball cards because um, those are both um, oh, baseball is a big big thing for me. And I had baseball cards growing up, and so they've seen them and stuff like that. And so they had never been to a baseball card shop, so I took them to one. And this baseball card shop is actually selling like boxes of the small packs of actually basketball cards. Like you would see at a store where they would sell the like they used pre- to have like gum in them, like like fifteen cards, prepackaged pack like pack of cards. So these it was a box of these mini mini little packs, packs um, and they were selling ones from nineteen ninety NBA. These are basketball cards for $10 for two boxes. Cause evidently they still haven't gotten rid of the glut of baseball and basketball cards they made in the, in the eighties. And so nice. I bought two of these eighties yeah. and nineties. Yeah. yeah. And so I bought two of these boxes and I brought it home. And so what we do with goals and rolls is if they're progressing on them, as we go through it, they get one of these little miniature packs. And so, which is like cents for us. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, the actual cost, right. The actual cost for all four kids is probably, Pennies. 40 cents yeah, a week, right? 40 cents a week. And um, it's a motivator. It is a it's motivator. A, it's, it's, a, it's a, and we'll have to find something carrot. else as we it's go through. Carrot. But the, the thing about it is, we don't even have to mention goals and rules. They will bring goals and rules up. But the key is to get to a certain point where it becomes a habit. Becomes Our school habit. is really big on habits. I've seen it even with like uh, in organizing the boys' stuff around the house, backpacks are at a certain place, shoes are at a certain place. I tried to move where we keep the shoes and they're so ingrained in the habit of where they put their shoes that they couldn't learn the new way. They still can't learn the new way. So I had to go back to the old way. But we also, you know, uh, we've been doing that connected families course. I wanted to get into that before our time is up. Um, and uh, we are, we're only partway through the course, but uh, we just did module two, which is going through the you are safe. And uh, it's talking really about, your own thoughts and beliefs. And um, it really narrowed in on something for me about uh, toxic beliefs that you are holding about your kids. And in part of that, you know, for this, what we're talking about is, oh, my kids are so lazy. Oh, my kids don't ever help. Well, maybe it's because nothing's ever been set up for them to show that they can do it. Um, Another place that I get toxic beliefs is sometimes from people that take care of our boys because they are high energy boys. Um, because they are boys. There was something a teacher had said about one of our boys, uh, and it stuck with me and I couldn't interact with him without thinking this toxic belief that he could not control himself. And I was, I would, anything he did, I say, see, you just can't control yourself. And I, it, it, it was my filter through everything he said and my filter of everything, everything he did, everything I said. And, um, and I realized, you know, I was praying about it with God and, and he kind of said, well, what if I made him that way on purpose? What if I made him to be a warrior who doesn't control himself because I want him to do what I ask when I ask and, and it's not controlled. And so I started telling him, I I told him, I said, I think you're a warrior. I think that God's going to ask you to do hard things and you're going to do them uh, without overthinking it because of how he made you to be. And he just smiled and he said, can you tell the brothers that? And he was just so excited. And, And we got Bruce and I talking that maybe we needed to add to our document of goals and roles 
superpowers. Because that ties in with strength finders as well from the idea of just really recognizing these common themes within our children and recognizing them and recognizing that they're not fully developed either, just like some of them aren't fully developed still in ourselves. And so... And, and that they... And if we can believe negatively and it impacts us. What if we believe for our children? You know, they say seeing is believing. My new thing is believing is seeing. So whatever I'm believing, I'm going to see in them. And then when I'm believing it, they're going to see it in themselves. And then we're actually going to see it happen. So if I'm forward casting vision, I think I've written about that. There's a post casting vision for your kids that I've written. I'll link to it in the show notes. But like when I see something and I say, I think God put that in you for this. Or instead of saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Think, say, you know, what do you think? How do you think? Why do you think God gave you that? What do you think he's going to use it for? Projecting it forward positively. Yeah. Then I think we see it. Believing is seeing. Yeah. I mean, how many of you have ever benefited by somebody continually telling you you're really terrible at something, <laughs> right? I, I know for me that is that's never worked. Like well, you're zero high positivity. Percent. I'm high positivity, so I just I shut that. But like stuff a coach out. that would like try to tear you down to think, oh, that'll motivate him to work harder. I had that in high school, and it, it, it opposite. had the opposite opposite impact for me. Um, and so, for instance, you know, we have another boy who is extremely persuasive and he really is. I mean, you, he you can, can get, see he it. Get, he could just sell ice to an Eskimo for sure. I mean, he just does it. But you know, when you're around your house, that generally comes out, especially if you're around your house a lot, because he's very social, it can come around as you are being micromanaged by your son. Yeah. And he is, can be argued. And he, and he wants his plan. And he wants his plan. So, um, and look, I'm, I'm, what we're talking about here isn't something that we have fully cracked the code and feel like we're living in la la land. I mean, this is this is hard stuff, but I, I feel like we're I feel like we've made big progress since we changed this mindset. So what we actually did to this Evernote document, which we will project on the TV every so often as we review it. When we review it, we usually just talk it through. But sometimes we bring it up on TV. We actually added. We have goals, roles, and now we have superpowers, and we'll talk about that. We'll say, for you, one of your superpowers is the power of persuasion. And so sometimes we'll, we'll be in those modes and we'll realize, you know what, this is just that, that strength coming out in a, a way that is driving me crazy right now. But <laughs> and look, it's not always easy. And, and I don't, we don't always respond the right way towards yeah. it. But if you have that in your back of your mind, it does change the way you, you look at your children. And I think when you have more than two or even two, I think every person wants to know where they belong and what their role is in the family. And I think when you have all the same gender, it's harder to know where you fit. And not that we want to label the kids. I don't think that's what we're doing. We're more just. Or um, limit them. Or limit them. I mean, yeah. I think that it could, but I think it's uh, helping them see their God-given identity and, and give them their unique role in our team. And in our team, this is one, what you do to help our team function as far as your actual job around the house. And two, this is your role and you're the encourage, you're encouraging to everyone. I love how you're, you know, thanking me for things. You're really good at that. Or I love how you just came up with that creative idea for something for the boys to do together. Or I love how you make us all laugh. Or I love how you, you know, can plan out our day so easily. I think um, speaking life over what they're good at not only helps them personally identify, it helps them identify where they are in our family unit. Yeah. What their job is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Any other thoughts? What's no, I mean, I think it's, I mean, once again, these, these are, this is, all of these pieces around goals and roles and superpowers, strength finders, things like that. I think one thing I'd like to emphasize is these are not one-off things that you do and just think it's done and fixed. Like, I mean, uh, like the, the key point done. is it ha- these have to be reinforced. So, and this I, is something that fit for our family. And it, right, and so it, it it could look very differently in each family, but you, but you, we're each going to have different versions of of what these things might might be that really work for a family. But some people, what if they're do- do- bottom up? They might be like chore charting and yeah. And some of you guys might one of your strengths might be that you know deliberative thoughtfulness. I can think of one um, father who um, at our uh, at our school who coached a lot of teams, and I just watched the way that he coaches, and it's so deliberative and so thoughtful in the way, and the and the kids actually respond really well to it. And I'm like, I just can't do that. Like, I I love that. Like, I I, I think it's amazing. You admired in I really room, really yeah. admire. It. I'm like, yeah. but I I could not do that. But but that's not his story is not my story. So I got to make sure I understand my story. Right. Um, I think that's the key with the whole know thyself and know thy audience. That's what we're saying. Yes. Do some sort of personality test or something to figure out who you are, who your spouse is, and your kids. What was what do we have? Quaid and Price take? Yeah, there's a Strengths Explorer. Strengths Explorer. It just gives three themes. Yeah. Which theirs were so similar. I thought it was a hoax. Like, oh, this is dumb. This is didn't. But then a friend of theirs took it, and his was way different, and it totally fit him. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just that those two boys are similarly strength. Yeah. So. Uh, check out Strength Explorer. I'll put a link to that. Yeah, and make sure too that you don't. Another lens on it is don't don't think that that's their their final story either, because we all grow, especially children grow. But some of those things, like if you have a child who's highly positive, chances are they're probably going to generally yeah. be a highly positive person in the future. But there's other types of themes that might not be apparent now that become strong themes I later. Think, and so, I think leading leaders is hard. Right. I think being the parent of a leader. Well, they're always trying to push the envelope and they're yeah. trying to, they're, they're frankly, they're practicing on that. Manager, so parenting managers, not so fun. So don't, don't, do not also focus on trying to um, describe your child and tell your child that they're finished work and that they're, um, mm, all right. that, that um, you've got them nailed and that's, that's who they are that's for the, the rest box. of their life. You're that's stuck. the box. You, you're all you're trying to do is identify themes um, especially things that are just so clear and we all have them. You can surely come away with t- one to three themes for a child well, yeah. and just reinforce it and help yeah. invest and help them grow. And you might hit at a certain point where that theme gets to a point and it stops and another theme starts to emerge. It's just recognizing those and really finding places where they have uniquely positive impacts. And, and just seeing what they're interested in. I, yeah. I mean, I ask women all the time. I've said that in this show. What did you do as a little girl? What did you enjoy? You know, and, and everyone has a story of some thing they play. That's the saddest part about technology is I think it takes away from the variety of experiences um, that children can have that are unique to them, that reveal their unique wiring is that when everybody plays technology, well, that, what do you, I, what did we, we met a Pine Cove counselor and he was really sad that when he thinks back to his childhood, it was all spent playing yeah. video games and he can't think back to a time where he did something uniquely him. You know, like I interviewed uh, Charity Reeb and she was saying she rode horseback and preached to the cows. Love that. You know, and, uh, another friend shares a story about just being really motherly. If another friend shares a story about lining up her siblings in rows and teaching them or something. I just think that there's memories of things that you do. 
And it's not just an anti-video game thing. It's no, more no, no, of a, just, it's a breadth of experience. So just let them have a variety of things yeah. so you can figure and, and right. be an observer of your child in a variety of experiences. We had no idea that one of our children was so into nature until we were at school. One that was really into nature studies. And two, we spent more time with them outdoors and they're like, Oh my gosh, he absolutely could live in the wild and survive. <laughs> As like naked a three-year-old, we identified he could live all. Oh, is that naked and afraid? What is yeah. that show? Um, Where they just yeah. drop you off totally nude yeah. and you can like live. I think he could do it. Mm-hmm. I think he would survive. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I hope that was helpful, y'all. I know this is is good to have you on the show, Bruce. Thank you. Is there anything last words you have? Um, nothing. Nothing no. amazing. Nothing. You think I'm good luck. amazing? Good luck <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> what is it you always tell new parents when their baby's crying? Oh, yes. Well, I think we've put that on the show before. Put them in the crib. Well, I'll say it since you brought it up. No, but yeah, I, I, I like to tell um, people, especially fathers who have had the baby for the first time, that there will be a time, usually pretty early in the, the first child's um, uh, post utero time, where they are. Post utero. It's Where they're. Where you're just tired and you have thoughts cross your mind that you never, ever thought you're capable of having. And I, I remember the first time I really began to understand why shaken baby syndrome happens. I was like, wow, I totally, I'd always thought I, that's, I couldn't believe anybody. Look, it's horrible. But I understand now how you, people's minds get there because you're exhausted. So what I tell people, especially first-time fathers, is when you when those thoughts cross your mind that you never thought you're capable of having, um, put the baby into the crib, baby screaming. Gently into the crib. <laughs> gently into the crib. I just want to emphasize that one. Walk out um, to the door, close it on the other side of the door. In the bedroom, not the house. Yeah. And, and the baby will be fine. And, um, and it was really helpful. The baby would be better. The baby, because the baby's better off crying in the crib, all wrapped snugly um, <sighs> than it is with what's going through your mind. And it's interesting. I, I mentioned that to somebody I work with um, who's like one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I saw, he's, he has a baby who's about two months old. And he said, yes, I get it. I was like, there you go. If that person has this thought, then it really is everybody. I think everybody gets frustrated. Sure. sure. And you were even saying uh, for any of the moms whose husbands get frustrated, you had some wisdom, like not wisdom, but like in your own experience, when you start to get frustrated with me or with the boys, what's your first thought? Yeah. So, and, and I'll, with a disclaimer of saying I am, this is not an area I, I, I feel like I, um, I have a lot of work still to do, but when um, there's times where I want to say something because I'm angry and my, I think my pattern in the past had been more just to say it, get it out there, get it out there. Um, and obviously that can lead to um, bad outcomes, but more than that, what you realize what I try to do and is think about what is what I'm actually really trying to achieve here and how do I best get to that outcome rather than say what I want to say? Because usually saying what I want to say is exactly opposite of the outcome that I'm actually really fighting for. And so... Um, so if the goal is to get out the door and everyone's like taking their time, blowing your lid is not going to get everybody out the door faster. Right. It's actually going to make kids cry. And then you, like... Or, or even like I remember, go, this ties back to an argument you and I had no. pre-marriage, no. Pre, like a long time we ago. We were actually argue. driving between we never fight. Indianapolis and Chicago. Okay. And um, we were, I don't remember what, I mean. It was serious. It was, yeah. I and, don't even remember. 
And, but you said, stop, stop, stop. Remember, we're on the same team. And I think that's a perfect example of that, where if you think about the idea, the outcome of when you're fighting, it's, you, if you remember, you're still on the same team and that in actuality, anything you say is going to be something really hard to put back in a box. Um, if you think about your outcome really is actually your goals to, to draw closer to each other. And you say what you're about to say, no matter how much you want to say it or prove that you're right or. Um, it's a relationship over being right. A relationship over getting it out there. What you're about to say is completely opposite of the outcome that you really know is important. And if you can just catch yourself on that a few times, um, even two out of 10 times, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Makes yeah. a big difference. I even tell the boys when they start to get mad. I'm like, don't forget I'm for you. I'm doing this. I'm still on your team. I love you. I love you too. I love you too. Thanks for being on the show. You're the, you're the bomb diggity. I wouldn't have goals, roles, and superpowers without you. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you all found that useful. And if you are listening the week that this episode comes out, you may be getting ready for Easter. If you are, I wanted to mention, um, I have one post from ages ago that is kind of popular on Pinterest. I think like 24,000 pins or something ridiculous. But it's an Easter post about how to do the Easter basket thing and remind or teach your children about what Christ did for us on the cross and the great exchange he made taking our sin and giving us life and good good things. Uh, I just, I wanted to highlight that to you. I'm going to put it in the show notes, the link. It's called Making Easter Personal for Preschoolers. I just love preschoolers. As a speech pathologist, I worked with zero to three and then preschoolers, uh, and now teach Sunday mornings. And this morning I was kind of talking to the kids about Palm Sunday and then mentioned Good Friday coming up and Easter. And uh, I said, I know as a kid, I got confused what Good Friday was. It always seemed like it should be Bad Friday. But then the more I understood why Jesus's death was so good for me helped me understand why it was called that. And one little girl raised her hand and she said, I think it should be called Tremendous Friday. So I hope you all have a wonderful, tremendous Friday and a fabulous Easter. And I wanted to take a second also to highlight some reviews that I've gotten in the last couple months and remind you, uh, you can always find me over on Instagram. I, even though I'm not on a personal, personally on Facebook, I still do have the God Center Mom Facebook page and I will post there occasionally. So connect with me there. I'm terrible at responding to emails. I'm so sorry. It has I'm like a month and a half behind on responding to emails. So if you've reached out to me, please know that I've probably read it, but I've just not been able to respond. And I'm so very sorry. Spring break and all the things. Anniversary. We just had our 17-year wedding anniversary, 20-year dating anniversary, and my birthday today. Uh, I just, just haven't been around getting to those emails. I am so sorry. On to the reviews. First of all, thank you all who, when you do leave a review, you may have heard this on other podcasts. It actually helps people find the God Center Mom podcast in the show. And so other moms across the globe, y'all don't even know, this show's pretty hot in India. Shout out to India and Guatemala. I mean, the internet's awesome in those ways. So your reviews help moms who need encouragement, who need a little Jesus in their day, find him and be encouraged. So first of all, thank you. Uh, Kristen in Tennessee 
for listening, for leaving a review. Thank you, Annie Lou Bug. Uh, it's becoming a favorite for her. I am so thankful, even though she doesn't even have any kids. Not just for moms. So thank you. Uh, Marcella, thank you for coming on and leaving a review. Uh, you're, when we hit low points in our daily struggles and try to do our best for our kids, um, this is a reminder of the grace available to us. So thank you, Marcella. Florida Mama 33, great stuff filled with faith and community. She listens to it every morning during her son's nap. So those of you who have nappers, this could be something to listen to and maybe maybe pick up the house or just sit on the couch. Uh, Laura M, she is so glad she found GCM. Um, she's mothering her six and nine-year-olds. She realizes she is not alone. You aren't. You aren't alone. God is with you wherever you go. Aria Aria Lynn's mom, uh, she loves how all the guests are so open and authentic. And again, she's not alone in this mothering journey. Uh, Goat225, thank you for your review. She was about to tackle a large painting job, and she decided to look for a new podcast, and she came across the God Center Mom. Because of your reviews, she probably found it. Uh, she's got three young kids. There's guilt every time she falls short. I think y'all can understand that. You're, the guests have been amazing, and they bring so much insight and wisdom. Thank you, Goat. I'm sure that's not your real name. And then Mark Riviera from the Philippines, he left a review. Thank you for listening all the way from the Philippines. Trombonium 2, thank you for your review. Just Kaza left a review saying there are positive, uh, practical ideas for real-life challenges. Daisy CA777. She highly recommends this for all moms and husbands will enjoy it too, especially today. I think uh, all Bruce's multisyllabic words will, um, I know, you know, the men like that, I guess, and all that string finder talk. So thank you all again for leaving reviews. If you would like to leave a review, go to godcentermom.com backslash reviews and you'll get all the instructions on how to do that. Thanks y'all for listening. I hope I can connect with you this week. All right. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.